Amen. Have you guys been saturating this week? Just a couple of you, maybe one. Has anybody been saturating this week? Woohoo! I was too. I needed it. <laughs> Amen. 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 Somebody's excited in the house tonight. That's awesome. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So I had, a, I had a great old time last week and just been sitting and saturating and thinking on the things of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And I just want to tell you a little story about saturating. Because, you know, sometimes we forget how much we need to saturate. Amen. You ever heard that song? It's an old song and it talks about um, your Bible sitting on the shelf, the very answer that you need, collecting dust. You know, unfortunately, all too often the Bible sits on the shelf and all too often the Holy Spirit sits in the corner waiting. Hey, I'm here. And uh, we forget that we need the, the word of God and we need the presence of God. And so I'm from the south and we do a whole lot of pickling around there. And so it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit's a whole lot like pickling. Honestly, you it's saturating. It's an immersion, right? of one substance into another. And as you take a pickle and you stick it in that vinegar, and it sits in there, right, long enough, what happens? It becomes a pickle. It's no longer ever identified as a cucumber anymore. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to sit in the presence of the Holy Ghost long enough that I don't look like Heather anymore that I no longer can go back to those old ways, those old attitudes, those old actions. But all of a sudden, I begin to respond like Jesus responds. I begin to respond with the love of Christ. You know, the girls were in town last week, and so it's like this big entourage of women just walking everywhere we go. It's six of us. And there we go. And so we, um, we, went, we went and run every day. And... Um, so this one particular day, I'm having hip problems, and so we agreed to stay by my house to make sure we didn't run very far. And so we're in the neighborhood, and so they had this young man that was walking down the street. Well, what do you think a young man's going to do when he sees six girls all in workout clothes outside stretching? <laughs> so he comes by the house, and he passes it, and he comes back. Well, as he comes back, he, I noticed that he's handicapped. And he was the sweetest little guy and he just wanted to know what we're doing. Well, Mama Bear, <laughs> Mama Bear's always gonna react different than the cubs. So you got one cub going, who does he think he is? What's happening over there? And you got another one going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, he's not going away. <laughs> and I'm like, everybody stretch, stretch. Nobody pay attention to the man across the street. And so they're all jibber jabbering and and I'm, so I'm just laughing, and then I'm getting on my nerves. So I said, okay, let's go. Everybody, let's go. We're going to go. We're going to start our run. And as we start, he comes following us. And, they, and you hear all the girls freaking out. And I turn around, and he's in the middle of them, and they're still freaking out. 
And I thought, what in the world is happening? We do not look like Christ. Like, we're, what, is, what are we doing? So I turned around and I said, how are you today, young man? He says, I'm good. What y'all doing? He just wanted a friend. I said, oh, we're walking. We're trying to get our exercise on. We're going to start running here in a little bit. He goes, okay, I'm going to walk too. I said, sounds good, buddy. He goes, my name's Connor. What's yours? He just wanted a friend. It was so adorable. I said, Connor, I'm Heather. This is my daughter, Zoe. We live right here. Where do you live? Just start hanging out with the guy. I said, look, I'm sorry. So I'm not trying to brush you off, but we're going to run. He goes, I don't run. (laughs) But the cool thing is, I really felt like that was a love of Christ. We began to, the girls and I began to talk about it, where their fears came in and how God took over and how God can use one opportunity of, of meeting them on the side of the road to lead this guy to Christ and not only him, but his family. So all throughout the week, we'd see him. We'd see him walking. We'd turn, the, we'd turn and make an extra block to come back around and say, hey, Connor, how's it going today? You taking your walk? And now we're believing for this guy to come into the kingdom. And so really, I want to be pickled that those situations don't just become just a little, just bothering me today. It could be the person at the grocery store, the bank. It could be the person at the pharmacy, the hospital. It could be anyone, anywhere in life. But if we're not saturating in who he is, what are we giving to the rest of the world? What are we displaying? Amen? So are you saturating? Maybe. Let's look at um, Matthew. We're going to go back to our teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We left off last week talking about how important is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so we want to look to Jesus. And in Matthew 3, starting in verse 13... It says, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so here we see Jesus being baptized in water and then baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in the flesh, Up until that point, Jesus was God in the flesh, human, just like you and I, yet without sin. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and all of a sudden, dunamis power. From that point on is when the miracles began. From that point on is when signs and wonders and supernatural things began to take place in Christ's life. Now, if Christ is the Son of God, if Christ is God himself, and he needed the Holy Spirit, he needed the Holy Spirit to come to empower him, to give him dunamis power, that he would have the supernatural ability to do that which he couldn't do before, how much more do you and I need it? How much more do we need it? 
Jesus, his whole life as a kid, he would talk in the synagogues and he'd be able to talk scripture left and right. It, would be, it was awesome. Could you imagine 12-year-old Jesus in the synagogues? I probably would go run watching this child with all this, you know, miraculous truth in him, all the knowledge of scripture, but unable to perform any miracles, not doing the supernatural yet. You know, we live in a day and age, unfortunately, where we, we are being persecuted for our faith, and in this country, we will be persecuted even more. Look at it around the world. It's horrific. The only way the martyrs have ever been able to go to their death of martyrdom is by the supernatural power of Christ working within, that they were living in another world on this earth. They were living in a place of supernatural joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures evermore. And so if Christ needed it, how much more do you and I? We don't get to bypass. We don't get to tear out the stories of Christ in the Bible. I know the Holy Spirit scares a lot of us. But if Christ needed it, you and I need it too. It doesn't matter how much charisma we have, how smart we are, how much scripture we have memorized. It doesn't matter the gifts that he's given us. We know he's the gift giver. But all the more, we need the power of God to come upon those gifts. The power of God to come upon that knowledge. The power of God to come upon those things on us that we would see signs and wonders. Could y'all imagine walking in America with the signs and the wonders following us that follow those first disciples? It's time for America, it's time for American Christians to rise up and become who we're called to be. Sons and daughters walking, living epistles of Christ. If Christ needed the baptism in the Spirit, how much more do you and I need it today? So who can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? I want to go take a look at Acts 1 again. The promise of the Father. Acts 1, starting in verse 4, it says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Who can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, we talked about this a little bit last week. The promise of the Father is the eternal covenant. The eternal covenant that was before time ever began, that has always been in place. And if it was always in place for us to know the love that the Father has for the Son, to know the love that the Son has for the Father, and to be in perfect union and fellowship with this love, so much so that he would send Christ to die for all the world, then there is no stipulations for who gets to receive it. Because it's an eternal covenant, always intended for all of his sons and daughters, because it's the Father's desire to lavish you with love. Remember Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God, the promise of the Father is that you and I would understand this love. Hebrews 6 talks about that we need to go on to move past the fundamental doctrines of our faith, the fundamental things of our faith, that we need to go on to the meat. You know what the meat is? Him, his heavenly ministry. 
I love Andrew Murray's study on it because it's, it's the, the, meat of the, the meat of our Christianity is for you and I to be able to live and to walk in the fullness of who he is on this side of heaven. And that is so difficult to do because we want to have control. And we can't have control when we're being pickled. We can't. It's impossible. But it's his desire that we would know this love. That we would know his love in the middle of heartache, and in the middle of joy, in the middle of walking. You know, I get so excited. I've, you know, I obviously had a very rough 24 hours. You know, it's never fun when your kids get sick. And in Louisiana, I had like all my stuff set up and all my people for everything. And, and it just, it was like clockwork. So we get out of the board fellowship and it's, what time was it? Late? And I go pick up Zoe and she's burning up. She got a 102.7. So at that point, it started, and I'm like, whoa, you know, mama alert comes up, and I'm like, all right, here we go. And so, you know, I, and thanks to my lovely Fitbit for my hubby, I know that I woke up eight times and had seven more restless moments um, throughout the night. Well, you know, in other words, I woke up very frequently to make sure she was still breathing. And um, so this morning comes, and it was like there was no getting her out of the house. And I'm like worried, okay, got to preach tonight. Lord, how are you going to work this out? I'm trying to pray in the spirit. I'm trying, you know, Lord, you know, help me to live this and walk this, make the right decision. And she's miserable. And what am I going to do? And how is this going to work out? So we finally get dressed. We get in the car and I'm worshiping on the way. And as I'm driving over here, I saw my friend, the little Filipino lady I told you all about. Oh, that was like a kiss from the father. And I stopped and I waved again. And she, I, I wonder who she thinks I am. I think she thinks I'm crazy. And I waved and it was like a kiss because he reminded me of all the nations he's bringing in. Bringing into his kingdom, bringing into his house. And he wants, he's got so many kisses like that for you and me all over. All over our days. That he wants you and I to know the love he has for us. The love he has for the, his people, his people that are out in those neighborhoods, on those streets that have yet to know him. The promise of the Father that you and I would be baptized in the Holy Ghost to receive dunamis power, that we would go out into Jerusalem, come on, to Judea, to all the nations of the earth. All can receive because why? There is an eternal covenant that we all might know the love the Father has for the Son. You know, I have this girl in New Orleans, and she grew up in church, and she came to us after attending uh, Chi Alpha for a year, and she was bitter, and she came to our church even though she was scared to death of us. But because there were three girls in Chi Alpha that came from our church, and they were unlike any other Christian she'd ever met. Unlike any other one. And she came to our church, and um, she came one time to be on the grave. She said she'll never come back. But then she moved to New Orleans, and so the Lord drew her, and she said, oh, Lord, help me at this crazy church. She came to worship. She loved worship. And then worship was ending, and our worship leader started praying in tongues on the mic, and she thought, I hate this church. And then the preacher started preaching, and he started praying in tongues, and she was like, I'm going to get up and leave. They don't start worshiping again. I hate this place. Why do you have me here? But then he started preaching on the Holy Spirit in Romans 5.5. 5. 
and the promise of the Father, that the Holy Spirit is about the love of God. And she finally realized that if she rejected the Holy Spirit, she rejected knowing the Father's love. And that was the one thing in life she's always wanted, was a Father that loved her. So who can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Point one, all. Because we all need to know the love of our Heavenly Father. Totally different way to begin to look at it. Acts 1, starting in verse 12, says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the, from the mount called Olivet, where, where, which is near Jerusalem. It's a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So I'm going to look at these. Obviously, it's in the book of Acts, um, following verse, um, we see in verse Acts 2, starting in verse 1, that the, all these people are in the upper room. These are the people that were there when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. They all became tongue talkers. So Jesus, Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus, was a tongue talker. But I want to look at each one individually. We see Peter. Peter, who how many days before had denied Christ? What do you think would happen if the young girl, who said, hey, haven't you been with Jesus? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you think if she was there? And she said, what are you doing going up in there? You scaredy cat. You wouldn't even acknowledge you knew Jesus. Peter got to go up in that room. What about doubting Thomas? Maybe you're the one out there and you're the one that's been doubting all the time. I don't know about that tongue stuff. I don't know about that falling out. He must be pushing them people. I had one person say that we must put laughing gas in our vents. I thought, wow, that'd be expensive. <laughs> Doubting Thomas got to go to the upper room. That gives me hope. Remember, I'm the one that grew up in the home that we were taught those people are crazy and they're paying people to go out in the parking lot and find out people's names and what their issues are. Doubting Thomas got to go. Mary Magdalene, the woman who had seven demons cast out of her. Come on. That'd be the crazy lady walking in the church with her hair sticking out everywhere. She kind of looked at you out of one eye, the other eye went the other way. Mary Magdalene got invited. You also have James and John, who we don't really see any major issues with them, but they were the brothers, the ones that said, hey, I want to sit at your right and at your left. I want to have a place up there. And we see Mary, the mother of Jesus, a woman full of faith. We see all the rainbow, the color spectrum of life getting invited to that room. It's not for the super religious. I love that. It's for all. Red, yellow, black, and white. Jesus loves all the children. 
Everyone has been invited. It's normal people being transformed to different people. We were in Honduras um, probably eight or nine years now. And um, very first night there, you know, it was a small island. And um, very first night there, we, we got docked. We literally got and put in these big canoe things that they carved out with our luggage and brought across the shore and landed on the beach. And they said, there's your hotel. Have fun. And, um, but a big boatload of Americans come, and what do you think happens? The whole island comes out. So the very first night, we're going to have a, a meeting. And these, um, probably, I guess it was seven or eight um, guys from the Army uh, show up. And they're at the uh, service. And we're out there. We're, we're sharing about the Holy Spirit. We're sharing about what Christ has done in our lives. And we want to pray for people. And they didn't know what we were talking about. But we said, hey, you want to come? And they said, yeah. And we laid hands on them. And they fell out of the power of God. They started praying in tongues. They were laughing. They were rolling. They were crying. They were doing everything you could imagine in response to the Holy Spirit. And so the next, we're all excited. And um, the funny thing was, is um, it was becoming dark, and they had to go across the island to get back to the military base, and we didn't have enough vehicles to take them back. So, and they couldn't walk. They were on the ground in the dirt, rolling around. So we had to pray, Lord, can you sturdy their legs so they could go home? Because we can't, we don't have, we don't even have enough room in the hotel, in the hotel, the hotel for the hotel for them to for them to stay. So we prayed for them, and eventually they were able to get up and walk home, and they made it home before it got too dark. And the next day, we're at a church, and we're doing um, teaching. And as I'm teaching, the pastor says, and I'm teaching, um, uh, I had this whole other lesson planned, and the pastor says, these guys have never been in church before. And I'm like, so? And he goes, so they don't know who Jesus is. And I'm like, wait a second. They were in service last night. They were praying in tongues. They were rolling on the floor. They were laughing hysterically. They don't know who Jesus is. And he said, they have no idea. So then I read Acts 2, 1 through 4, about the Holy Spirit coming and a rushing mighty wind and asked him, do you want to know this person who overtook your body last night? And they were crying, yes, please. And so then we got to lead them right there through salvation. This is Christ, the Son of God, who's come to take away the sins of the world. Beautiful. These guys had no idea who Christ was. They, could, they didn't work up and try to conjure up. They just saw something in us that they wanted. They saw the light of the world in us. You don't have to have, you know, master's degrees and translators for that kind of thing. It's the Spirit of God, the love of God shed abroad in us that began to penetrate their hearts, began to change them. So who can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Anybody whosoever wishes. We don't need to take them through a big old doctrine theology class. They don't have to come on Wednesday night. We, we would do beyond the grave when these people get baptized, I mean, people get born again, 
And when I see someone with the Spirit of God all over them and they've just met Christ for the first time, I can't help but tell myself, there's a little bit more for you, buddy. There's not just that you think this is cool. Let me tell you what else he provides for you and me. Because it's not just a step of, you know, some mature, when you get mature down the road, then you can have that. No. You think Peter was mature? He just put his tail between his legs not long before and ran. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. He's provided for all. Now, can anything hinder you and I from receiving the baptism? Absolutely. Absolutely. In Acts 1.14, it says, These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They were all with one mind, and they were devoting themselves to prayer. They were praying, and they were seeking. They were together in unity. When you and I begin to get in discord, when you and I begin to have unforgiveness in our hearts, when we begin to have bitterness or pride and let things begin to get in the way, when we begin to think it's all about us and forget to seek the gift, the gift giver, who it is that's come to take away the sins of the world, who it is to come and give us life abundantly, who it is that wants to come and satisfy every need in our life and walk and talk with us. When we forget to seek him and start looking at all the bodies around us, well, she's got that, and they called her to do that, and why does he always get to do it? Well, if she knew what that one told me, then she wouldn't like her anymore. Have y'all ever been in a church picnic? <laughs> I have been in meetings sometimes, and it's very funny. You go and you, as a pastor, you get, you get, you get meet everybody, and we go and have coffee, and lunches and visit them and get to know them and you would be surprised how many times I sit down with someone and I'm like oh my goodness I didn't know I'm, I'm, at, I'm at gossip time it's gossip central so about you know five minutes goes by and I'm like twitching and just smiling a little bit and then I'm so tell me about Jesus what has Jesus done in your life and then they want to know why why they not why nothing ever happens in the prayer line well, what's Jesus doing? Did you not hear what I said about Susie? Yes, God will take care of Susie. What's Jesus doing today for you? We've got to make sure that you and I keep a pure heart before God. You know, it's so, so freeing to be in 24 hours like I've been in and realize I am working it. When I showed up at the Children's Hospital today, and they asked me, why are you here? And I began to answer them, and the guy sitting three people back stood up and tried to come help us. I realized I probably didn't look like Jesus in that moment. I look like a crazy mother. But it was so freeing to say, okay, God, I'm obviously stressed. I'm tense. I'm showing the world. But I need you to come because you're the great physician. You're our physician, and you've got this under control. Can you come? Can you come right now and meet me where I'm at? 
When you and I begin to stop looking at him and start looking at all the circumstances at life, all the people, all the issues, those are the things that hinder you and I from receiving it. And it's a daily feeling. It's a daily necessity. It doesn't matter how good church was last night or how good Bible study was last night. It's about right here, right now. Where am I at with Christ? How am I doing? Am I still mad at my husband because he didn't put the toothpaste up right? Or, or whatever, or the person driving cuts you off. And why does any of that matter? Disunity, discord, unforgiveness. Have you forgiven your mom? Have you forgiven your dad? Have you forgiven your children? You know, I'll never forget the night. I've been, um, now I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm at Victory for a while, and I'm discipling people. And I'll never forget the night that the Lord, that the Lord had me go and get someone from the back and said, tonight's our night. And I said, oh, no, I've never led anybody before. He said, it's not about you. It's all about her. So I went and got her, and when I got her, she said, oh, no, because she knew. She knew that it was her night. And she was scared to death. But the awesome thing is that night, the end of service, prayer time is happening. She tried running away again. The Lord, I'm worshiping. I don't care what's happened to her. I'm having a good time with Jesus. The Lord said, go get her. I turn around. I had to let me like run to the back of the church, get her, take her down to the front. She's shaking. Literally, it looked like her knees were knocking. And I turn around and I said, do you see what's happening here tonight? Uh-huh. I said, all you have to do is step in. She barely lifted her hands before she hit the ground under the power of God. She started weeping and she started crying. I've waited my whole life for this. I've waited my whole life for this. And as she began to weep and cry, I lost it in him. I saw the beauty of Christ. I saw how he's not prejudiced of who we are and he'll take anybody at any given time and he's been waiting all this time for her, moving in a building that she's been sitting in and she never stepped in and he was waiting for her. And in that moment I said, God, have all of me. I don't care. I don't care. Come. Come and have my heart again, God. It was after midnight. A friend's mom had to come get us off the floor at church because the janitor was mad he couldn't lock up. But you know what happened that night? I forgave my past. I forgave myself for the stupid stuff I'd done. In the Holy Ghost, I forgave my parents for things that they even know they did. They really weren't that big of a deal. But then in my heart, I'd made it a big deal. Because I didn't forgive. In the presence of God, he'll bring up things to your memory, but it's up to you and I to forgive, to forget, to let it go. To let it go that we can be found in unity, seeking him, offering our prayers to him. God, it's about you. It's about I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. I want to know you and the beauty of your love. I want to know that I know that I know who you are and what this Bible. When all of who we are begins to shift from all of what my life was and is and isn't, who cares? When I begin to live in a city, oh city of God, all of a sudden those things don't matter. And those are the things that are distractions. doesn't have to be sin, but just distractions 
from the things of God, distractions from the beauty of God, distractions from the presence of God. Amen? Y'all doing okay? I'm hurrying tonight for time. But I'm still letting us get pickled. In 1 John 1, starting in verse 1, it says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write that our joy may be made complete. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it talks about that all of us baptized into one spirit. It's all about the fellowship with him. All of us, all of us need the blood. All of us need the fellowship. All of us need that koinonia of the love of the Father and the Son. We need to be worried about that and inviting that into our lives and not all the petty stuff. Inviting whosoever will to come into that fellowship. To invite the Connors on the side of the street walking. To invite my little Filipino friend. One day when she walks in here, y'all, I'll know her name by then. (laughs) And y'all will know. We'll rejoice together, amen. Now, how are we going to receive this baptism in the Spirit? The first thing we all do is repent. Daily. Because remember, this baptism in the Spirit, it's a saturating. It's, it's, it's the most, one substance being united with the most possible amount of another substance. And so if I want more of God every day of my life, then I need to encounter that other substance and the most possible, largest possible amount of that substance of, of the Holy Spirit himself every day. So every day I need this filling, and every day I need to say, okay, God, what, what is it today? What is it today hindering me from you? What am I so busy about and so distracted about that it's coming before you? Acts 2.37 and 38 says, Now when they heard this, they were all pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What begins to happen, and I understand I'm talking to a mature people here. I'm talking to people that are here on a Wednesday night that a lot of you have been in church longer than I've been saved. But oftentimes what happens is we feel like we're all right. I've been born again a long time. I got the Holy Ghost when I was at kids camp. I'm good to go. I Shabbat Shabbat on Easter and Christmas. And every once in a while when we have a guest speaker come in, it gets a little wild in my inner man. I'm good. That is such a scary place to live. That's such a scary place to live. You know, I don't know about you. I don't know if it's because I've, 
I see the kiss of heaven all over. But I wake up and I'm thankful to be saved. I'm thankful to be in the kingdom. I'm thankful for the blood. I'm thankful that I'm separated. That I'm separated from the depravity of man. That when I see the filth out there, that I can praise and honor my Father in heaven. That he sent his only son for you and me. I'm thankful for that. That's where we have to go to that place of brokenness. That I'm not yet where I want to be. Thank you that I'm not where I was, but I'm not yet where I want to be. Come and wash me. Come and change me. I don't want to pretend like I've got it all together. You may have thought you had it all together, but I hope the fire of God's burning inside of you and convicting you and convicting you and convicting you. And not because I think you're a horrible people. You're precious. But because there's so much more in the Spirit of God for you and I. And the transforming power, the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost. That He's got gifts inside of you and me. He's got creative ministries inside of you and me. And business ideas to fund the kingdom inside of us. But in order to connect with that, we've got to get to a place of repentance. To a place of brokenness. To a place that says, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me every day of my life and come and make me whole. Forgive me, Lord. I see who you are and the beauty of your holiness. And as I see your holiness, I realize what I'm not. I realize what I'm not when I see your beauty, God. And I want more of that. I want more of you. I want more of your loving kindness. I want more and more of your personality and your heart for this people. I got to have you. It takes a heart of brokenness, a heart of hunger, a heart that says, I want to go until I get the face of God. Do you think that woman with the issue of blood didn't have a problem pushing through people? Have you ever been to a Mardi Gras or a fair or a parade or something where you thought, oh my gosh, I'll never make it to my car, I'm going to die? That's how I picture her, that she is fighting through that crowd to get to him. That's you and I. And it does, there's a scripture that says, ever since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been taken how? But by violence. By force. And I'm not talking we got to go and fight everybody. And I'm talking we've got to get violent with ourselves. we got to get violent with our inner man. There's a scripture that says, oh soul, why are you so downcast? What's wrong with you? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. I know I've got a bad attitude today, but I'm going to choose to put my hope in God. I'm going to choose to say, God, will you come? There was a night that I was, I was in New Orleans. I don't know if I've told this story here or in Sunday school class. But I had moved to New Orleans, and I was all alone. And I was so sad. I didn't want to be in a new city. I was by myself. I didn't have no friends. I didn't have no man. I, didn't, I just, what am I doing, Jesus? I was really lonely. I was probably 21 years old. I'm in my bed, and I'm crying. Lord, why would you send me to New Orleans? They're crazy people. I moved to New Orleans Mardi Gras weekend at 21. <laughs> Why did you send me to New Orleans? And I began to cry and cry. And I said, Holy Spirit, you're supposed to be my comforter. If you're my comforter, you come and comfort me. I can be sassy. <laughs> but I'm being pickled. Before I could get all of that sassy out, like a blanket entered the room. The Holy Spirit came. He gave me such a peace. 
all of a sudden it didn't matter that I was alone because I really wasn't. I never was. But he had to bring me to a place of acknowledging my need for him. That's the place we got to find ourselves living. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Amen? We also need to glorify Christ. Acts 2.33 says, Therefore, having been exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's poured forth this which you both see and hear. When you and I go to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's all acknowledging and honoring and glorifying who he is. That it's all about him. To you be the glory, the honor, the power forever and ever, O oh God. To you, Jesus, be the glory and honor forever and ever, ever. To see him seated at the right hand of God in all of his glory. That he's forever living to make intercession for you and me. That he's forever pouring himself out for you and me. We repent and we glorify him. We forget all of our sorrows and all of our sickness and all of the places we've been. And we begin to look to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. We begin to look to him who is faithful and true and think and remember upon those things which he's done of who he is. We give honor and glory to him. So many times people come up to receive the Holy Spirit and they're like, and I'm can you just love on him? Just love on him. Who cares what happens? You don't need to feel a tickle on your neck. Just love on him. I remember that time. Remember I told you all how I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in the prison, and then I would go home and be like, I'm going to pray in tongues, and I would try to force it. And I'll never forget that day at Victory when I ran to the altar. I ran to the altar. That whole sermon was bubbling up inside of me, and it was getting me all excited. And I literally ran up to the altar when it was time for the altar call. And I was jumping and praising and worshiping. And as I'm glorifying him, as I'm exalting who he is, it began to bubble up. It's not about trying to make something happen or am I doing it right. It's about getting our eyes off of ourselves and onto who he is. And who cares what people think about me? That night I went to this place to get like a sandwich, like a coffee shop. There, All the coffee shops do sandwiches and salads there. And I walk in and I am still drunk under the presence of God. I still look like I lived at that altar. I didn't really talk right. I slurred my words. And I walk in that coffee shop and there's the band. Cool guys. Hey, what's up? This new chick from New Orleans, right? What's up? And I'm like, oh my God, wasn't that a great I mean, I, it was like I was undone. And they just were looking at me, and I'm slurring my words. And I realized they're staring at me weird. But you know what? Who cares? Do you know how much fun I just had in Christ? Do you know how much he just changed my heart? Do you know how the encounter with God takes you from glory to glory to glory? As you behold glory, you become glory. It didn't matter anymore. What anybody else thought, the cool guys in the band or not. And yes, most of them are still my friends today. Luke eleven, thirteen says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? We have to begin to stop saying, well, you know, not everybody receives it. You know, it's not for everybody today. And start thinking of who it is we're talking about. If God our Father, before time ever began, had an eternal covenant with Jesus to give us the promise of the Father, the love of God poured out by the Holy Ghost, why would he deny that from you and me? We need to look to him and who he is and ask our Father, would you pour out your spirit on me? I'm scared and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I want your spirit. I want to be pickled. I want to be transformed. You know what my prayer is for every person I meet? That they would fulfill their purpose for being created. You know where you find that? In his presence. In his presence. In his baptism. If you and I know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give you and I the Holy Spirit? Acts 2.14 But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea, all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. <laughs> For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of through the prophet Joel. That it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on who? On all mankind, that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. He will Pour out his spirit on all mankind, all of us. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't differentiate. It's not a who's who's club. It's very clear all. Day of Pentecost, all. Acts 10, all. All who heard, all who heard were filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That will dream dreams, we'll have visions, we'll prophesy. That's for you and for me. I'll never forget the first time I um, prayed with my sister-in-law. My younger sister-in-law was born, was raised Catholic, so was I, but she was still Catholic after her and my brother got married. And her and my brother were fighting with my mom at the time, and the Lord told me to go to Lafayette, drive two hours, go to Lafayette, and I need to have a talk with them. And I said, oh, no, mm-mm, we're not doing that. But he's the Lord, and I surrendered, and so I fasted that week. I drove to Lafayette and um, told them I had to talk to them and, and asked if I could pray with them first. But all these things were happening in me. I was getting filled daily. I was learning what it was to surrender to him. And so as I began to pray for her, for the first time ever, I got a vision. I got a vision of a valley. I got a vision of a stream. I got a vision of the Rose of Sharon, and that's my mom's name, 
And I began to prophesy that vision out. My sister-in-law broke. She broke that day. She didn't believe in tongues. She didn't believe in the spirit. And it was all this fight thing of religion that the talk was about. But that day, the anointing broke the yoke. Because he says he'll pour forth his spirit on all flesh, on his sons and his daughter that will see visions and will dream dreams. It's not just for special people. It's for all of us, for everyone in this room, no matter how old you are or how young you are. He wants to pour his spirit out on you and I that we would be vessels Vessels of truth, vessels of love, vessels of righteousness, that we wouldn't be ashamed of the power of the gospel, that we would go and talk to the Connors on the street, that we would lay hands on the people that we meet, that we would believe with them, and all of a sudden, in the middle of it, as we yield to him, and as his spirit begins to flow, the visions and the dreams and the prophecies and the tongues, they all come. That's how we receive. We just yield. We yield and we say, I don't care what it looks. I was so scared that day. Today, she's my brother's a Baptist preacher. She's his worship leader. And you know what? When there's problems going on, they have no problem calling me. And they know I'll pray in tongues. I'm not going to flaunt it and be all holy, roly, prideful about it. But they're going to know that when I hear from the Lord, I hear from the Lord. And they're going to trust it because the anointing breaks the yoke. There's different degrees to the anointing. There's different degrees and different levels of his spirit. Will you go there with me tonight? That we would take it to Akron. That we would take it to our families. That we would take it to the uttermost parts of the world. Amen. Grace, you want to come on up? Thank you, Lord. So we're going to worship. And we're going to open the altars tonight. We're going to continue on with the teaching next week. But tonight, I want to I encourage you all. You know, if you don't, have the, you don't have your prayer language, I want you to come up tonight, and, and you're going to receive that. I believe by faith. He's going to pour his spirit out. But not just for the ones that haven't received their prayer language yet. All of us need that daily baptism. All of us have to get to that place of hunger. You know, Zach tells you all all the time that we would pray for two and 300 people every service. In New Orleans. It wasn't two and three hundred people off the street. Some of it was, but a lot of it was our leadership. A lot of it was our staff. A lot of it was each other. Unless I had to minister to someone long after I prayed for people because they were needing counseling or deliverance, guess who was next in line to have hands laid on them? We get to a place where we just want more. Those girls from New Orleans couldn't wait to get down here and have hands laid on them again because they know the gift of God. They know the stirring up of faith. And I just want to ask you to get hungry tonight. I want to ask you to come up for prayer, to come up believing that he is who he says he is, and that he wants to do something fresh in your life, that he wants to pickle you from who you are today into who you were created to be. He makes all things new, continually, not just at our new birth. So the altars are open as we begin to worship, and I would just invite all of you to come down and ask for a fresh baptism, a fresh filling. And don't worry what it looks like. Don't worry if you fall or don't. Just glorify Him.
and let him have his way. Amen.